All right, fun stuff, episode five. I reached out to Nick Duncan, who had been running some pricing experiments on Twitter for his new site, ContentBot, and decided to bring him on to chat through pricing. We both mutually decided that pricing is a bitch, and that's all there is to it. But please enjoy my conversation with Nick Duncan, where we chat through some of his pricing experiments. I was actually just reading your posts here on um, your the first company that you sold at XOXO. It's a really cool story. I read the whole post. Um, it's uh, exciting. I understand I understand the struggles of needing a developer and needing a growth person and needing a full-time person to to drive the things, right? I mean, we try to do all of that ourselves and it's an absolute ball ache. Yeah, it is. And so I worked at a venture studio for a while and um, I learned a lot of ways not to not to do it, not to build a venture studio. And that was, of course, you know, as the name implies, venture, right? And, and this micro-private equity stuff is not venture. I think the business models are quite different. I think it's a fundamentally different thing to say, I'm buying in a business with some cash flow, a couple thousand a month, whatever, um, versus I'm starting from zero. I just think the unit economics of that are just very different. Um, you know, hopefully it's slightly more cash efficient, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's some kind of benefit. Um, you know, downsides are we're not creating new markets, right? That's that's kind of what venture is for, right? Get a hundred million dollars to go build a market. Um, but it has a lot of the same elements like operations. Operations for a company that's doing two or three or four or five or even 10,000 a month, honestly, like I can't hire anybody for that. You know what I mean? 10,000 a month. Wow, big milestone for any entrepreneur to bring a company to $10,000 at MRR. Fucking amazing, right? That's, that's but it's that's nothing. Actually it's actually nothing. I literally can hire one developer. Like, well, I mean, not one. Right. Maybe, okay, maybe two, but like not, you know, can't run payroll for, for US employees with 10K at MRR. So not at all. I was, I was actually looking at the, I'm in South Africa, right? So you know, I was, I was actually having a look because I was trying to figure out, you know, what sort of cash do I need if I want to grow content bots, if I'm looking for venture capital, you know, they're going to they're gonna start asking me what I'm going to, who am I going to iron, how much is it all going to cost? And I started looking at the American salaries and I said to myself, wow, we're going to need a lot of money if we're going to hire American people. But, you know, we, we obviously, South Africans, you should look at South Africans, Andrew. Um, you can get decent, decent senior developers here for probably two and a half thousand dollars a month, maybe $3,000 a month. And those are senior guys that really know what they're talking about. Damn. So you should, I know, I know a lot of the, the WordPress plugin ecosystem, those companies, they actually end up hiring South African developers and because uh, it's a lot cheaper and they, they are a lot more reliable than the Indian developers. I've got to tell you that we've used, we've used freelancer. Uh, we've used some Indian chaps. Some of them are really good, but uh, yeah, I, it's difficult. It really is difficult. It is difficult. You've, you've, uh, you're the second person that's mentioned South African developers as a potential uh, place to look for talent. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, we're, we're in the process at the moment of form, forming the legal vehicles to start like actually bringing in outside investors. We've been just doing everything with our own cash at the moment. Um, yeah. And so uh, that has obvious limitations, namely that I'm not like rich. So, and not, you know, none of us are, so we can only buy so much. So the next step is bringing in outside investors, but 
the, the, I mean, the tricky part for me now is just looking at the math. If you do the math on what it looks like raising, like, let's say two and a half million dollar funds, not for an individual company, right. Where they're expecting you to spend that for a fund. It's not that much money, right? Like we have to go buy companies with that. And then like, where does that cash flow go? Well, it goes hundred percent back to the investors until they're paid back. And then we get our little piece of the pie, but it's just nothing like I can't live off of it. None of us can live off of it, which is kind of crazy to think about like two and a half million dollar fund. You know, you put that on Twitter, like people are going to love that, you know, like great job. Wow. 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 And then you're sitting in it and you're like, I literally can't put food on the table with this money. This is crazy. That's scary. It's actually quite scary. And you know, I'm, I know next to nothing about the venture space, but I've been, I've been looking at it from a founder's perspective um, over the last few months. And I can say it's, it looks very complex and very difficult um, for you specifically. I mean, after reading your post there, you know, I can, I can, I can completely relate to, to what you went through actually, because what, what we like to think of ourselves is like this little mini incubator here in South Africa, you know, we've been going for 10 years and um, we've made quite a lot of products and a lot of them have absolutely failed. You know, yeah. we've, we've probably made 25 products. One has done really well and still is doing really well. And that's the, the map plugin that we have. We made another live chat WordPress plugin, which did really well and then got acquired, um, which kind of gave us then a nice little cash injection to keep us running and keep us going. But yeah. that money goes so quickly. You know, when you start building products and you think that that product's going to really work and then you start marketing it and, you, you know, there's distribution happening and, before you know it, you're spending thousands of dollars on AdWords and Facebook traffic that does absolutely nothing. I don't understand Facebook traffic, honestly. <laughs> it's like they come and it says they spend one second on the site. Why? You know, and <laughs> hundreds of them. So anyway, uh, yeah, I know the pain. I, I feel the pain. Luckily, luckily for us, um, you know, we've got quite a good team. There's seven of us at the moment. It's myself. Um my wife is like a silent partner. She's, but her money helped start the company about 10 years ago. Cool. And uh, I've got a CTO. He's really gifted developer as well. We've got two other developers. We've got a content marketer. We've got a, another marketer and we've got an intern as mm. well. So it's, yeah, we've, we've got a nice little team and we, we're quite focused at this point. You know, we focused on content, but we're still pushing the, the map plugin every now and again. But our sole focus is really just on content bot because we feel like we've hit something here. It hasn't really taken off just yet. You know, the churn is still really high. Still trying to figure that out. We're pretty new to the to the SaaS industry. You know, we're pretty new to MRR, to put it that way. Yeah. You know, our, our plugins were all once-off payments. Mm. You know, Maps Maps does exceptionally well. The Map plugin actually does exceptionally well, even for a once-off payment um, model. And that keeps us going. But... Yeah, it's this, you know, building MRR, watching your churn, looking at your, you know, cost per acquisition. It's just the, the churn's killing me. You know, I think we finally found positioning, but the churn is now where the real pain kicks in. And I think that from what I've looked at over the last few years, that's where the real struggle, if you can either get distribution right and then churn comes and kicks you in the nuts or, you know, you struggle to get distribution, right? And you don't even worry about the churn because you're not even getting the customers. <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah. that's the quote. That's the quote of the, the, this conversation right there. We can, we can just close up now. Uh, but yeah, I, 
I think that, you know, uh, the reason I brought you on is I think that it would be cool to walk through your pricing experiments that you've run. Uh, so for context for us, we have two, now that we sold one, we have two developer tools left. And most of the time when we're looking at these little products, we immediately see obvious knobs to pull, right? Their landing page was obviously written by somebody who does not speak English as a first language. Okay, that does not help build customer trust. Very easy to fix. Uh, you go to their pricing page. These are the weirdest prices I've ever seen in my life. Also, they're way too cheap, uh, so, right? So like, let's let's like double, triple prices and make them, make this pricing page just look normal for, I don't know, what yes. at least US-based consumers are, are used to. Um, so we've been pulling very obvious levers, but adjusting pricing and, and doing pricing experiments, kind of like what we were talking about on Twitter, it's still, for me, a monumental pain in the ass. It is still an expensive, labor-ridden process, even with all of Stripe's magic, to literally go in and do A-B tests on which pricing model does better, uh, especially when you get out of just like, okay, you pay for the thing and you get access to it, and it's per seat and everyone's $9.99, right? When you get into like for a screenshot, for example, we have overages. So if somebody goes over their pricing package, then we bill them on like a per screenshot basis, a nominal amount, um, but that changes based on different tiers. Do we make more money doing that? Or do we make more money just increasing the, doing a hard cap, right? And forcing people to upgrade. I don't fucking know. It's going to take us forever to figure that out. Like I'll, we'll probably sell the company before we figure that out. And that's like one experiment we want to run. So really we're kind of limited to like changing the numbers of, of, of pricing and whatever kind of pricing structure. Otherwise it's just going to consume our tiny little development budget for, um, yeah, for like endlessly just to get it right. And by the way, it might be the case that like, actually the first thing was fine. That's not actually where the problem is. The problem is on the other end, like, I don't know, churn, for example, or it's seasonal or, you know, the worst case scenario where actually the type of product that you have, people use it when they need to. And then actually like go away for six months and they run, I don't know, for content bot, maybe somebody does a lot of campaigns in the summer for whatever reason. Is there an agency that focuses on something that has seasonality in it? And they use you guys every summer. And then every, at the end of every summer, they fuck off for the rest of the year and you don't see them until next summer. And you're like, God, what, how weird is this business? Right. But I think, you know, people think SaaS, people think MRR, and they think, oh, like this nice, beautiful, even ever increasing cash flow coming in. And it's lumpy as shit, especially like when we are buying or, or selling the companies and we look at like PL statements, like profit and loss. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult to get people to who are not familiar with this or who think they are, but are actually not to understand like, oh, our MRR, quote unquote, if you log into Stripe was like seven grand that month because we sold a bunch of annual packages. But like, you, you know what I mean? Or whatever the case may be, it's just like lumpy and, and not as, as it's a mess. Uh, consistent it's a mess. As, as people Andrew, think. That's an absolute mess. You know, I'm looking at it now, you know, I use ChartMogul and then I use Stripe and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy with admins. So I still haven't tried to figure out why those numbers are so wildly different. But, you know, you look at, you look at Stripe and it's a little bit more depressing when you look at ChartMogul looks a lot better for some reason. I don't know. But, <laughs> so you look at one that, that looks the best. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you, but, but you bring up a great point is like actually calculating MRR turns out to be a non-trivial task. And you can exactly. see that because Stripe and ChartMogul tell you two different numbers and which one's right. And the answer probably is they're both wrong. Yeah, I, I believe that as well. Because I mean, if I look at Stripe, so I figured out Stripe. Stripe likes to put the stuff in that 
is kept, that's uh, that's past you. You know, we've tried to charge the guy four times. It's still past you. It's been a month pretty much, but hey, we're still reporting on that that revenue. But yes. you haven't seen a dollar out of that guy, you know? So, you know, that was that was one of the biggest issues, you know, when I was looking at our MRR and it's just, it's so deflating because you're like, you see it going up, but you know, it's not actually going up. And, you know, we've, again, you know, just to go back to, to what you were saying about how much time it's going to take to run these experiments specifically with development time. And, you know, this is one of our biggest things, because again, we we've come from, we've had to learn a lot over the last couple of years um, with SAS because, you know, we come from really WordPress, they used to paying once off. At the very most, they used to paying once a year. But then what they would normally do is pay the $39 and then cancel so that they don't pay it again in a year. And then when they want to update the product, then they'll pay it again. So that's the standard model for WordPress. As, as terrible as it sounds, that's what it is, but that's what works. And again, it runs like 40% of the internet at this point, you know, so you have such a huge market. And if you have the monopoly there, you're pretty much sorted for, for a good few more years. So we've come from that, that sort of background. And um, that's a really easy background to come from. You don't have to worry about churn. You don't have to worry about MRR. You don't have to worry about anything. You just know that on average on any given month, you're getting X, you know, and hopefully it's growing. Um, so when you're coming to, into sort of uh, software as a service. And we started looking at these monthly recurring um, figures and amounts and all that. And it was just, just, it was actually so difficult to get into because again, we started so low, you know, we'd be like, okay, well, let's just charge $9 a month. We'll try break into the market because some books said that that's a good idea. Because if you'd go low, meanwhile, that marketing advice is like from the sixties, man, or seventies, you know, you go in cheap and then you'll get a piece of the market. It doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. Like you mentioned it earlier, you know, up the prices to what the market is used to and see what happens, you know, low, low price means probably low quality at the end of the day. And, you know, we've, we've had to wrestle with that, but in terms of trying to run all these experiments that we've been running in content bot, and we've done quite a few over the last few months, I mean, we've only been around for six months and I think we've done about five experiments okay. already. And um, we're, we're lucky enough again, because we've done so many uh, startups in the past, we've kind of got reusable pieces of code that we can just sort of put in. And the, you know, our CTO, Dylan, is an amazing developer. So what he does, and, and this, this pricing thing is a, it's like a point of contention between me and him because whenever I mention pricing to him, he knows he's going to be busy for three days, flat out on changing code and making things fit and legacy and grandfathering and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. So I think he has a little mini meltdown every time I say, hey, we're going to test something, <laughs> so, which is quite funny, but he, he knows it now. And because of that, that's happened in the past, he's actually built quite a robust Stripe module in, in PHP. So when I change something, he's he doesn't have to do so much anymore he can just sort of flick, flick a couple of switches and move some things in the database and change a few things here and there and then it's it's sort of okay so you know we we've we've got that down that's why we're able to to do a, a few more experiments a little, a little bit quicker than than most but still it's still challenging to try to figure that out i still feel like there is a huge opportunity and i have seen a few companies try and do this but they're they're like a layer on top of stripe that allows you to do these kinds of things a little bit easier. Uh, I've never used one, but man, 
what a useful product for somebody that's really, really, really trying to dial in pricing, which by the way, is every startup under like, you know, a hundred thousand and MRR is really trying to just adjust and dial in like, you know, is it this feature and that feature? Is that what really gets people to pay? Is it, you know, just pure usage? Is it seat-based? Actually seat-based doesn't work because this industry is not used to do it. You know what I mean? All that stuff just feels endless, but I'm, I'm surprised at how many experiments you guys have been able to run. And it makes perfect sense now that you guys would have a stuff in PHP because that's all, all the WordPress stuff and then B a set of reusable modules. And it just kind of goes back to what I was, I'm thinking through currently. It's like, that has to be a muscle that we as like a group building. I mean, whether we're building it or buying it, we still are stuck with the operations and engineering of running several different product lines. I don't know how we get much alpha if we don't have shit like that on tap for 101 different use cases, right? Onboarding, all that stuff, uh, pricing, what else could be there? I mean, well, there's like Webflow and stuff for landing pages, but landing pages might be another contender, right? A set of templates that we already know converts really well. And actually, you know, we could run some pretty interesting experiments between company A and company B and say like, why is, why is conversion rates like 10 times higher on this company versus that company? All that kind of stuff I feel like is our superpower, but boy, am I, I, I I'm nervous about repeating the mistakes of the, the venture studio because it, I mean, we didn't figure it out. We got no code reuse between the companies. Each company had their own kind of team and they were off doing their own thing. Right. And even if you start with the same template, uh, or like base application, give it like two, three months and like a product manager. And those two things are as like, you know, basically on the other side of the planet from each other from that point forward. I mean, Andrew, you know, I, I think you're spot on there because I mean, if, you, if you're working with companies that were built by different developers, you're never going to have that reusable code base either. Yes. So the three that we bought were all in different stacks, different languages. One was Rails, one was Python, and one was php and node.js um we rewrote the php and node.js just to be in node.js sold the rails one now we just have python and node.js which is manageable um i think that we're gonna have to start by making that a buying criteria just saying like what's this tech stack actually we don't we can't buy this right now because i'm gonna have to staff devs to be able to go execute on that and so for the foreseeable future we might be able to do like node and python maybe two and like, that's it until we get big enough where, you know, either the company can afford its own dev team um, or, or, or we were able to staff those people at the kind of fund level. But yeah, I mean, it, it gets, I mean, you know, this managing multiple projects at the same time, it's just, it's not me. yeah, you end up at the venture studio, we ended up collapsing basically into the most profitable company, not the most profitable it was in Ventureland, so it was the most promising on paper, right? Um, ended up not being true, right? It was a, it was actually a different one that, that ended up working and is still working today. But um, I'm trying to avoid that because when we buy the things, it's 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 not it's not palatable for any of them to go to zero. Really, that's kind of the promise of what we're we're doing here is that. You know, because we're not guessing, we shouldn't be able to, we shouldn't crash companies, right? Like, how did we fuck this up? We, you know, some, some poor kid brought it to like a couple grand a month and like, we took it over and just crashed it. Like, how the hell do we do that? That's not I've cool. done that. I've yeah. Done that before. <laughs> Have you? What? Yeah, I did that. We actually, we were, we, it was, it was a good few years ago. You know, I thought I found this, this company, it was a, 
it was a, a tool that allowed you, it was a developer tool. So it allowed you to push your code changes to FTP and it would manage all of that for you. You know, never mind GitHub coming out with it like six months later, but uh, we, <laughs> we, we had that and we bought it and we just didn't understand the tech stack. It was completely beyond any of us here. And the, the guy that we bought it from, I mean, we bought it for next to nothing. But the guy that we bought it from was just like, I'm done guys. Cheers, I'm out. <laughs> and and we, we just sat there and we're like, what are we going to do with this thing? And it was falling to pieces and it was breaking. And, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to fix it. You know, I'm, I'm a developer myself, but I hated the, the tech stack. It was absolutely terrible. It was just built like with sticks and glue. And, and anyways, it just fell to pieces. And I just thought, you know, just shut it down. Just kill it, please. I can't deal with this. Let's just focus on stuff that's making money. So we literally took it to zero, <laughs> which yeah. was terrible. But yeah, that's just uh, school school um, school fees, I suppose. You know, we learn. That yeah, that that makes sense to me. Actually, one of our one of our partners, name's Henry. He um he bought a content site. Um, he's in he's in like real estate, so he doesn't know at the time. Didn't know like fuck all about the like the internet, internet businesses at all. So we bought a content site that was doing whatever a month, right? All the affiliate bullshit. I you know yeah. I'm prejudiced because I don't know anything about that world, and like it feels like very kind of hocus pocusy to me. Um, but anyways, he bought one of these things and yeah, Google like pushed an update and it went to fucking zero, like the next day. <laughs> so for like three months, he was like, I'm a genius, man. I just bought this thing. Like it's just content. People just read it, I guess. And like click on stuff. It pays me money. And then boom, Google update deceased overnight. Uh, the guy probably saw it coming. It was probably the Panda update or something from Google. And he's like, I'm, I'm sure quickly. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And sold it to some oh, factory. That's funny. Shame. <laughs> yeah. So back onto the pricing stuff. I, mm. on, the, on Twitter, we had gone through a few of the scenarios and I'd love to just hear what some of, if you have any of this handy, you can, you can even show the screen if you want. Um, love to just walk through like a couple of these and just hear what you tried, what, what the outcome was and um, what you've settled on currently. Right. So the first one we, we actually launched with, you know, we actually launched it as a, as a WordPress plugin and because that's our strength. So we launched it as a WordPress plugin, but we quickly decided now we need a web app as well, because majority of people, you know, we don't just want to target the 40%. We want to target the 60% of the internet as well. So anyway, so we, we built the web app and we built it out with a free trial. And then after the free trial, your account is locked. And you can't do anything, and then you need to enter your, you need to buy the the premium version at twenty nine dollars, and that seemed to do okay. Um, we had no real issues there. I just didn't know if that was the best option, so I thought let's let's just try experimenting with more things. So then we we changed the pricing a little bit, and um, we went up and we went down, and we found that twenty nine is probably the better option because we can't really charge. At that time, we didn't have any leg to stand on with charging more than say our competitors like copy AI or anyone like that, because we, we didn't have as much access to open AI that they did at that time. So we actually had an inferior product. Um, so we couldn't charge more, but we decided to charge around the same. Um, so that was okay. And yeah, we then decided, okay, let, let's start looking at a freemium with paid version where no credit card is required. Okay, so we went away from the free trial and we now decided let's do a free, um, a free plan, which is a lot limited. 
okay, uh, which I actually think annoys people a lot more now that I'm looking at, at everything. Um, we have a free plan, but then they're going to have to give us, well, at that point, there was no credit card. So you just have a free plan and then you can sign up whenever, okay? Which the numbers weren't that great. I can't really remember what the numbers were, but uh, they were worse off than the, the free trial and then ask for the, the, you know, the payment. So the free plan with no credit card didn't really work, but it wasn't bad either. Then we decided, okay, now, you know what? Let's, everyone else is, is, is doing this in SaaS. So let's try this freemium, but they have to give us their credit card details up front. Okay. And that really didn't work because everybody, everybody decided, and I don't know where they get these credit card details from, but it, it's almost like 80% of them put in fake information mm. or some um, throwaway card or some temporary card. I don't know where these things come from. I'm still trying to figure it out, but it was really, really upsetting me because we would see this massive amount of, of sales in Stripe, right? And, you know, seven days and then, hey, we're going to charge a card. So we put them on the pro plan. They have access to everything. They run up our costs like crazy. You know, open AI is not cheap. I've got to, I've got to say that. So we're, we're spending all this money and we're expecting all of this money to come back. And then come the seven days, I just see it's like failed, 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 cancelled, <laughs> failed, failed, failed. And I'm sitting and I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe let's just wait for payday for these people because it's the middle of the month, you know? So we wait another week and we wait another week and it's just still failing like three, four times. So I just go into Stripe and I just cancel all of these. I just cancel, cancel, cancel. And that really, really upset me because I'm thinking now, why doesn't Stripe doesn't even do the validation at that point because there's no payment that's taken place. So it's, it's literally like a holding, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just hold on to this card information. And then when I need to make that payment, that's yeah. when I make the payment. So although the numbers looked absolutely amazing in the beginning for that, and we were going to be flying high, it was probably the worst plan for us. Absolutely the worst hands down. Damn. And I'm seeing a lot of people actually dealing with this at the moment on Twitter as well, because it just feels like it's the, it's the right way to go. Because what you want to do is you actually want to verify the people as they come and yeah. they sign up. So we can do that two ways. We can verify your email. You got to go click on a link, but we thought if we just ask for the credit card information, that's verification enough. But again, Stripe doesn't actually validate that. So it means absolutely nothing. One slight had, variation on that, that I've seen work, um, I think who does this? Not trends.bc, but the hustle Sam Pars thing, the trend trends.co. They will do uh like it's seven dollars for the first seven days or 14 days or something like that, but you have to charge the card at the beginning and then um and then then like it upgrades. But otherwise, Stripe, yeah, they won't it won't do it. Cause we have this problem too. And it's remarkable how many payment failures there are, like insufficient funds wrong number i'm like it's really really disappointing that stripe doesn't do a better job of just out of the box you know do a pre-auth check and just refund it and like you know no skin off anyone's back it's like you just tell users that that's what's going to happen and it'll get refunded and if that check fails then like they're trying to fucking scam you you know what exactly. I mean? Because we have a bunch of people for screenshot has like probably the weirdest customer base I've ever seen. 
it's like the most international, like every single support message it feels like comes in a different language. It's like, this one's in fucking Swahili. And like, we're just Google translating it. And like, this one's in Portuguese. You know what I mean? It's just endless. And you're just like, and then all these credit card statements come in and like, man, even just trying to collect on some of these has been basically impossible, right? It's almost impossible to collect on a lot of these guys that are delinquent to the point where I thought for a little bit, it would be kind of fun to set up like a shit list, like just get people together that are, um, like, I don't know, I'll put a list together of all the people that have fucked over our little products. Right. I'm going to put them on an API that you can then call and say, like, is this person on a shit list? And right. if they are, then like, they can't sign up for your app. Sorry. It looks like exactly. you've been delinquent on other, you know, other providers. Like, sorry, you know, we were actually doing, we were actually doing manual um, payments with, with those people. So I, I, I was getting so fed up at some point because all of these things were just failing and, you know, like one out of 20 would actually make it through. And those were the numbers. It was like one out of 20 was actually a real, I want to pay customer, you know? And I'm sitting and uh, I, eventually I, I ran through all the numbers. So I see all the subscriptions on Stripe. So I just go in and there's a way that you can manually charge that card and you can hold the cash. Yes. So I go in and I'd, I'd put like a $5 charge and then I'd quickly cancel it if it went through, you know, and uh, hope that nothing happened. But uh, I thought, no, this is not the way of the future. I'm not going to do this all the time. So I actually ended up doing that $7 for seven days. And uh, that's what we're currently on at the moment. And it actually works really well still don't know if it works better than the free trial and then cancel and then ask for payments. I still don't know. Um, I, I think our conversion rates and our sign-up rates are still pretty crap, to be honest. We're still trying to figure out our positioning and all that. But yeah, definitely the pay $7 and then you get access to the pro plan. And then when that runs out, we're going to automatically charge you the 29 anyway that seems to be doing okay because then you know that person has money and those hardly ever fail. Uh, it's probably one in 20 now that fail actually. So it's, it's much, much better. Yeah. The difficult part about all this too, is that during the experiment one and experiment five, the product has evolved quite drastically. And so exactly. is, is, is experiment one's data still valid to compare against experiment five? And the answer is like, fuck no, like no way. Exactly. Like that's not a real experiment, you know, but like that dude, that's the best we got. That's all we can do. <laughs> exactly. Right. What can we do? You know, if I look at, at where we were, when we were doing that free trial, um, our product was, 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 wasn't that great at all, you know, and over and above this, we're doing AppSumo. I don't know if you know about AppSumo, but yes. we're doing AppSumo. We did one AppSumo launch, but I really didn't want to, but I thought, let's just try Let's use that as a way to help with word and mouth. And then while we're there, I'll just use them to send product surveys and try to get some feedback. My word, AppSumo, um, it just blew up. It really just blew up. You know, we, we were on for like five days and I said to AppSumo, I said, just shut it down, please. I can't just shut it down. Because <laughs> our servers were blowing up. You know, we were making a lot of money, but I mean, it's once off money, you know, it's stuff that we used to, but this is a, this costs a lot, this product, uh, specifically on a monthly basis. And I just, I said to the AppSumo guys, I said, please just stop. Okay. Let's just figure this out. Let me figure this out. And uh, then, then they contacted me and they said, wow, this is, this is, this did so well. Let's do a select launch. So I said, okay, what's involved with that? So we landed up doing the select launch and uh, that was planned ahead. And that was just me for a month. I was just answering support tickets and live <laughs> chats. Nothing happened in that month. 
so again, you know, what happened between the free trial and then the, you know, the different price points and then the freemium and then there was AppSumo and then there was everything else. It's been an absolute roller coaster. Um, and then they brought us back at AppSumo for last call. You know, this is the last call. The guys that did so well, we landed up back on AppSumo for like four days. And again, it's four days of hell of just answering tickets and <laughs> doing maintenance and all sorts, making sure the service like doesn't vibrate off the shelf. So it's just, it's been, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. So we're never doing a lifetime deal again. Uh, it's great for a quick cash injection. It really is great, but it just keeps you so busy. I'll bet. I always advise people too on the lifetime deals when, when, um, for us as buyers, effectively we get zero cash from that, uh, but we're left with the burden of support. And some of these people, as I'm sure you well know, are like support nightmares. And there's just no mechanism for us to uh, kick them off other than to just say like, sorry, you're out. I know you signed something with the other guys, but like, you know, you can, you know, I don't know, probably, we'll probably get sued at some one. point for that. But yeah, it's, it's tough. Cause we look at those as just, it's just a straight liability for us. Mm. It's, a, it's a really tough one. You know, I, I, I appreciate the, the lifetime deal community. I mean, they've really helped us, you know, in the sense that, you know, I, 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 I went on that with a clear purpose of helping word and mouth uh, marketing, which actually I don't think helped uh, mm. in, in the long run. But what I was able to, to get out of the lifetime deal people was uh, reviews, uh, product surveys, yep. trying to figure out who they are. Not that they're our ideal customer, but just trying to figure out what they're using the product for. Because somewhere in that, that gigantic amount of people, there's, there's a few that are our ideal customers that we can then relate to the actual monthly paying customers, but they just prefer lifetime deals. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, a mix mash of, of people and expectations. And it is, I've realized now, you know, retrospectively that it's probably wasn't the best thing to do in terms of if we ever wanted to get uh, bought out or acquired in the future, because, you know, I'd have to think about what would happen to those people. But again, what I found with these, with these uh, lifetime deal people is they just, a lot of them buy it as like an investment. And uh, they sell it when the company gets big, you know, when the company actually starts becoming something, they actually, they bought it for, for $49 or whatever. And then they sell it for like a thousand dollars because now content bots charging $300 a month or whatever the case is. Interesting. That should be, that should be in your terms and conditions. That's a, uh, it's non-transferable and stuff, but it's hard to catch. That is. Yeah. Well, Nick, we're, we're well over our time together, but I think that this was a really fun chat. I mean, pricing, it's a, it's a bitch. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Sorry, I don't have any more numbers for you, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably have a lot more numbers in the, in the next few months. We, we're digging deep into analyzing everything and looking at everything and trying to figure out what the heck is going on, but we're, we're getting there. Great. Uh, what are the tools that you use to, to measure like conversions? I know you said chart mobile, obviously Stripe's dashboard, but what else do you have in the mix? So we've got analytics and then we've also built our own little in-house. Um, it's very simple reporting. So whenever you land on our site, we, we try to figure out where you came from, what campaign you came from, because it's really, it's actually really difficult in analytics to track someone that came through and then uh, landed on the page and then signed up and then four months later became a paying customer. You know, it's yeah. really difficult to, to do that in analytics. So that's why we try to do that in-house. So we'll be able to say this campaign 
produce that result or this tweet produce that result or whatever the case is. But yeah, we're looking at, um, we just pretty much use analytics at this point. Chart moguls just really for MRR. And uh, we're also looking at the attribution models in, in analytics as well, which I think is still very basic. They really need to add to that because we there's not much data in there. We just know that some people take four touch points and some people take two touch points and a lot of people take one touch point. You know, we're trying to figure out the best avenue for our marketing, but yes, mainly just analytics at this point. Hmm. Interesting. Well, cool, Nick. Great to meet you. Cool. Great chat. As well, <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll see you back on Twitter. Thanks, Andrew. All right, man. See ya. Bye.